Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. With key data presented at this year's 63rd Annual American Society of Hematology Meeting and Exposition, showing several CAR T-cell therapies as effective and safe options in the second and even first-line setting for multiple myeloma and other cancers, discussions on when to best use these therapies in the real-world setting has garnered increasing attention by payers and providers. At ASH, we sat down with several key opinion leaders to discuss the use of real-world data for CAR T-cell therapies and its importance in influencing reimbursement and investment strategies by payers. With findings of the Zuma-12 trial presented at ASH 2021 showing axicaptogene ciliocell or axicell as an effective first-line therapy option for patients with high-risk large B-cell lymphoma, Lead author Dr. Sava Nilapu, Professor and Deputy Department Chair in the Department of Lymphoma Myeloma in the Division of Cancer Medicine at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center, explained what the right strategies are for deciding which patients should receive AxiCell in an earlier setting versus a later setting. Patients who are in the first-line setting receive standard chemoimmunotherapy and about 60% of them can be cured with um, uh, with standard chemotherapy of large cell lymphoma patients. Um, but within that uh, group of patients, uh, we do know that patients who have high-risk disease, uh, and this has been defined in different ways over the years, uh, but generally patients with high international prognostic index score of three or higher are considered to you know, perform less well. Uh, in addition, patients who have chromosomal translocation with BCL2 you know, and make or BCL6, you know, otherwise called as double hit or triple head lymphoma, also do less well. So in the first line setting, we do need additional therapies for these patients to, who fall into this high risk group. And that may be a subgroup of patients where CAR T cell therapy could be targeted, at least initially. Serving as the lead author of a creative study presented at ASH, Dr. Maria Victoria Mateos, consultant physician in the hematology department and associate professor of medicine at the University of Salamanca, Spain, compared efficacy findings of siltocaptogene autolusal, or siltocell, observed for triple-class exposed multiple myeloma in the CARTITUDE-1 trial with real-world data reported from the locomotion study. Here she discussed the design of the study, why more of these kinds of analyses are necessary and important, and implications for payers. You know that uh, myeloma is uh, a complex disease, and when uh, patients with multiple myeloma become exposed and basically refractory to the main drug classes, uh, proteasome inhibitors, imids, and anti-CD38, there was uh, an unmet medical need. And uh, in order to cover this unmet medical need, novel treatments have emerged, and one of them has been Filtacel. BCMA CAR-T evaluated in this triple drug class refractory myeloma patients and showing a great efficacy with an acceptable safety profile. This study in which this BCMA CAR-T was evaluated was a single arm study and there was not any comparator arm. And the main reason is because in this population, in principle, there was not any standard of care. And indeed, this was what the locomotion study evaluated. 
the rescue therapies in the real world setting for these uh, triple drug class exposed and basically refractory myeloma patients. And we had uh, the opportunity to see in the locomotion study how there was not any standard of care and uh, more than 90 different regimes were used in order to rescue these patients. And based on this background, this was uh, the rationale for this comparison. But this was not just done at random, it was already planned. And indeed, the key eligibility criteria in both studies were quite comparable. Unrelapsed and refractory myeloma patients exposed to proteasome inhibitors, CIMIDs, and anti-CD38 were included. Refractory to proteasome inhibitor anemide or double refractory to proteasome inhibitors anemide, and after, and after at least three prior lines of therapy. And this was uh, the rationale for doing this comparison because uh, as there was not any standard of care for the population included in the Thilta cell study, the locomotion was used in order to be the comparator of this uh, clinical study. I think that all these data can help us uh, to the payers uh, to put in context the great value of Thiltacel in the relapsed and refractory myeloma patients already exposed to proteasome inhibitors, CIMIDs, and anti-CD38 because, uh, well, throughout the locomotion study, payers are going to, to see how there is not any standard of care for this population. And indeed, the outcome for the different rescue therapies utilized in the real life are not optimal because the median progression for survival is only four months and the survival not superior to one year. The use of a filtacel single infusion in the same population, in a comparable population, resulted basically in a 100% of overall response rate with more than 80% of patients achieving complete response with a benefit in progression for survival and overall survival. And payers have to understand that filter cell means single infusion, no continuous therapy. This means that the patients will, re will remain free of therapy after the filter cell administration. This is going definitely to save many visits to the hospitals together with the subsequent logistic resources utilization, as well as the different treatments the patients usually receive when they go to the different hospitals. So definitely, I think that this comparison, again, puts in context how Thiltacel could be of first choice for this triple drug class refractory myeloma population. Speaking further on the use of real-world data, Dr. Mateos and Dr. Mark Wildegas, Vice President of Global Medical Affairs Oncology at Janssen, discussed at length whether they anticipate the use of real-world data to increase in guiding decision-making for payers on when CAR T-cell therapy is applicable and can it be used in multiple myeloma and other diseases. Well, uh, concerning the use of Thiltacel uh, in uh, patients with multiple myeloma and in order to be compared with uh, CAR-T's in other diseases, honestly, I don't have much more information in order to compare, but it's true that the unmet medical need in multiple myeloma is going to emerge earlier on than in the past because proteasome inhibitors, CIMIDs, and anti-CD38 monoclonal antibodies are taking part of the first and maybe the second line of therapy. When uh, patients had been already exposed to these uh, three main drug classes, and basically majority of the patients are going to be refractory 
to PI meet Sananta ICD38, Zilka Zeller has an opportunity in this situation, and this is applicable to the BCMA targeted therapy in general, but the Zilka Zeller showed in this triple drug class refractory population great efficacy. It's true that uh, if we compare with other rheumatological diseases, uh, for example, CD19, CAR-T's uh, have been approved in a specific subtype of uh, non-Hodgkin lymphoma or CD19, CAR-T in a specific subtype of uh, lymphoblastic leukemia. But uh, myeloma is uh, a common disease and is uh, a general disease and the approval of this uh, Therapeutic strategies in this case, Thiltacel would be applicable to myeloma in general. So I can expect that maybe more patients with multiple myeloma would qualify to be treated with Thiltacel. So I think that the question about using real-world data, I think, is important. Um, I think the first thing is who's eligible for a CAR-T from a clinical perspective. I think that's the first part, right? Um, I think you know, in the context of agents, certainly in the United States, where, you know, FDA is looking at single arm data and really making a decision on what looks transformational. Um, in some ways, there's a clinical belief then that that data is, is significantly better than current standard of care. And really, FDA is kind of moving that forward because if they don't, patients could get disadvantaged by waiting for randomized controlled data. So there's this idea of moving it forward. I think the idea of then comparing that versus real-world data, if that real-world data is from a good source and you can match it well, I think it does provide you confidence that what seems clinically apparent is indeed held up in terms of, in terms of that real-world data. I think real-world data in itself has its intrinsic issues and challenges, and I think we have to be cognizant of that. Um, that's where I think you're kind of looking for consistency um, as well. So I think you are going to see more usage um, particularly when you think about single arm phase two studies. I think outside of the United States, I think it's very important. Uh, and I think much of that is really to do with trying to address the uncertainty when you're looking at single arm phase two data. But sometimes it's very clear. And sometimes I think it's, you know, yes, I think it really helps. In the context of silver cell, um, knowing that there's nothing, we haven't seen response rates like this and, and things like that. I think in some regards, the real-world data comparisons are almost you know, the icing on the cake, so to speak, to really confirm what we think um, seems clinically true. Adding to the discussion on payers, Dr. Frederick Locke, Vice Chair of the Department of Blood and Marrow Transplant and Cellular Immunotherapy Program and lead author of the Phase 3 Zuma 7 trial presented at ASH, spoke on how important it will be to get payers to approve primary refractory patients quickly to make certain that patients have the best chance of success with CAR T-cell therapy. So uh, CAR T-cell therapy certainly needs authorization and insurance companies to, to uh, give the okay to give it, and it will be important that that happens very rapidly. I think uh, CAR T-cells have, have now been an approved product for a few years now, so it's, it's not a surprise to, to the community and to insurers that they exist. And the results are really remarkable. You can get long-term ongoing remissions in large B-cell lymphoma patients with CAR T-cell therapy. So most of the large uh, payers are, are aware of this treatment and, and uh, you know, we just have to keep working to, to streamline the process and get patients in rapidly and get them to therapy as soon as possible. To learn more about this issue, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes.
To get in touch with us, email info at AJMC.com or follow us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.